0: Doctor, I'm a time lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, in the constellation of Castorberus. I hope he is a bit less conspicuous this giant. You might be a doctor, but I am a doctor.
1: I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. There's probably
0: nothing I'll expect Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start?
1: Hello everybody and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside the new Who to Watch on podcast. with me as always is Harry Murdoch. Hi Harry. Hey yeah. As today we will be talking, uh, we're going to do the same as we did with Aliens of London World War 3 which is a two part episode we're going to talk um talk about them both in um, one sitting. We'll split up the sitting but it'll be one recording. We're going to talk about series 1 episode 9 which is called What Harry
0: the empty child
1: and series one episode ten, which is
0: called what, Harry? The Doctor dances.
1: Oh, 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 so it is. Uh, both episodes are written by um, first-time writers to Doctor Who, but will go on to have a long and loved by everybody sh- um, tenure as showrunner Stephen Moffat.
0: Totally undivisive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um,
1: so, the empty child. What are your thoughts, Harry?
0: Um, both of these stories, I just have to say, shout out the bat, are really, really good. And as a whole package, um, I reckon that this might just be my favourite story that Stephen Moffat did for the show, throughout his whole tenure. What,
1: well, including show Um,
0: yeah, like, they're, they're, they're suspenseful, they're genuinely creepy, there's a <laughs> lot of levity, they're very fun, they include... They introduce um, fan favourite Captain Jack Harkness. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going for these stories, and they're remembered very fondly. And personally, I think that's a very good reason. Yeah,
1: one thing I noticed that I really liked straight off the back was even the um, Cold Open, the pre title sequence of them just chasing the, um, the ambulance through the time vortex. Even that was exciting.
0: Yeah, I know. It's like, I mean, it's very typical of Muffat um, that straight off the bat, you're hit with suddenly like this paciness this like back and forth just this kind of intensity that although um most of the show is able to you know have these very energetic moments mm. the, there's a certain quality to the way that moffat does that very kind of pacey dialogue that just there's a rhythm to it that feels very easy to just get caught up in in the action of it whole
1: yeah, I know. I definitely agree. One thing that I did notice straight from the start is—is is this the first time in this series that we hear the Doctor refer to himself as John Smith? is it? I think it when is. He... Yeah. Um, trying to remember when he says it. He must have. Is introduced... that when he's
0: pretending to be a time agent?
1: No, it's in. It's before that. It's before he meets Jack. It's very early on in the Interchild, Child, but he ref- gets his psychic paper out and he calls himself Doctor John Smith.
0: Ah right. So I, know I don't that... know if you um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the first time in this series that they refer to the Sonic Screwdriver as the Sonic Screwdriver? Uh,
1: I think it might be Sonic Screwdriver.
0: Because uh, I yeah, it I must feel be. like
1: I know he he has obviously used it.
0: He's used it many times, but I don't remember him like explaining what it is in Rose or anything like that. I feel like this is the first time they properly kind of. Say what it is.
1: No, yeah, I know what you mean. I know th- that from Davis, um, Peter Davison's doctor. They blew it up. They blew up the Sonic. So mm. Colin Baker never had a Sonic screwdriver. Sylvester McCoy never had a Sonic screwdriver until the TV movie where he briefly uses it, but he was holding it the wrong way round. So they had to blare <laughs> the top of the Sonic out so people wouldn't notice he was holding it the wrong way round. Mm. So. No, I don't, I think this is the first time we hear him say Sonic Screwdriver.
0: Yeah. I have to ask, like, having a tangent, what are your thoughts on the Sonic Screwdriver? Because I know, like, some people prefer him not to have the Sonic Screwdriver, Mm. because they feel like certain writers can potentially kind of use it as kind of a quick fix to anything. Yeah. But at the same time, it's quite an iconic part of the show, and it, yeah, When used correctly, it can be really interesting what it can be used for. So, what what are your thoughts on the Sonic Screwdriver? I feel,
1: I like it. I've never had a problem with it. it. I think it completely depends on how it's being used. If it is mm-hmm. just being. I, I, I've just listened to Confidential, in which Russell said the Sonic Screwdriver is great because you don't want the doctor to be. You want the doctor to be stopped by monsters, aliens, time, big swinging fans, but you don't want him to be stuck by a door. So, the fact that he can yeah. use it to just unlock a door and walk through is fine. But he then did say that um, it, the solid screwdriver is good as long as you don't use it to save the episode.
0: Yeah, and I I kind of noticed that kind of in this episode because obviously, I mean, it's more in the Doctor Dances where the screwdriver mm. is di- directly contrasted with the much more kind of, you know. Um, avert um, sonic blaster that Captain Jack uses, (laughs) which is that while Jack manages to use his blaster a couple of times Mm. um, and attention is drawn to it, like throughout the duration of the story, the screwdriver is used a lot more and it's really on the whole much more useful in all these little ways.
1: Yeah, I noticed at the very start of this episode the sonic screwdriver is used on wood.
0: Oh, yeah. I he mean,
1: it locks, locks a
0: wooden door with it. I mean, it's not until series five that it said that it doesn't work on wood. Yeah, I thought,
1: does Tennant not say it works on
0: wood? I, I remember I remember in series five, there's. I think it's the episode Cold War, where Matt Smith's doctor says it doesn't work on wood. And fully enough, I think that was an addition by Chris Chibnall. Isn't Cold War a. Is that a Clara episode? No, it's uh, Series 5. It's an Amy episode. What's um, Cold War? The first one with the... Oh, uh, uh, what's the name of the, like, lizard-like monsters? Oh, um, the Silurians. The lizard faces. Yeah, it was the first appearance of the Silurians in New Who. Oh, no, you might be right, actually.
1: Yeah, I do remember them mentioning it in that episode, but I do feel like... Ten yeah, because seconds. there's
0: the church door. Yeah, um,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, that's, uh, that's a funny thing, isn't it? I mean, I quite like it as an addition later on in the canon. That kind of you have this kind of brilliant piece of technology that can deal with all these high tech things, mm. but it's kind of almost too high tech to the extent that it can't deal with something as simple as a wooden door. No, I quite yeah. like that. No,
1: I agree. Um, you touched on that. It's quite funny. There are, this episode, even though it's quite scary and creepy, there are some funny moments in it. There is a heck of a lot of Star Trek references in this.
0: Mm, yeah, it doesn't like Rose kind of... He says that uh, the Doctor isn't very Spock.
1: Yeah, she's, he isn't very Spock. And then even when... um, I think when she meets Jack, she's like, give me Star Trek. This is very Star Trek. I wonder mm. if a 19-year-old in 2005 would have known what Star Trek is or would have known well, who Mr. was. Was the next Spock generation
0: was. out? I don't know, but well, Mr. Spock out. wasn't
1: in... Mr. Spock was not in the... Mm. What, And was 19-year-old girls watching Star Trek?
0: I I mean, I guess that I feel like Spock, because me as a kid growing up, I mean, obviously I've had stuff like the J.J. Abrams films in Mm -hmm. 2009, although I only saw one of them. I feel like Spock and Captain Kirk have kind of become pop culture icons in their own right beyond Star Trek. But then I'm saying that, Growing up in the age of the internet, where you can yeah, find yeah. out anything like super easily, so. I feel
1: Spock's a more pop culture character than Katzen Kirk. I, I listened to, um, as listening to David Tennant does a podcast with, and it was, um, I think I butchered his name the other day when we spoke. On is it George Teakey? Josh Teakey? George Teakey? Oh,
0: George, George George yeah.
1: And they were talking on there. Yeah, yeah. They were talking about Shatner on there, and they said that. Shatner and um, Nimoy would sit together, and they would go through their fan mail, and the amount of fan oh. mail that 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 um, Nimoy would have compared to Shatner was uh mm. It was almost a very matcha measuring competition, and apparently it, he, I think he phrased it as, it was the world versus Shatner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess I like, Spock kind of has that kind of same appeal as the Doctor. That is this super smart a bit disconnected from humanity character
1: yeah
0: obviously the doctor isn't quite extreme he has a much more of a humbleness he's much more down to earth compared to um spark because uh, i suppose that both characters kind of have a similar appeal
1: yeah no i agree with you i definitely agree with you um yeah because the doctor obviously has more emotions which is shown when he goes into the bar and that, and a lady singing, and he mm. and he's just enjoying being there. But I couldn't quite grasp it if he's excited just because someone's singing a nice song, because he doesn't realise what time zone he's in until he looks at the post wall and sees a poster for Hitler. Well, not a poster for Hitler, a poster against Hitler. The
0: um, yeah, it's like the Hitler's watching you. Is it
1: yeah, on the it, poster? Yeah, that's what it says. Something like that, isn't it? So does. Why is he so excited? Is he just enjoying that woman singing?
0: Um, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, the Doctor Strikes Me as the kind of person who does, like, enjoy music. Although, like, he doesn't dance much. He strikes me as the kind of guy, you know, he, he enjoys good song. He enjoyed, well, we, know, we know he uh, likes Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah, well, he likes tainted love. Definitely That's tainted love. <laughs>
1: No, I definitely, that's strange that that we, other, that maybe something not a lot of people have picked up on is that this doctor does actually really enjoy music. Yeah. And I mean, really I guess had I. Some experience dancing, as he does mention.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, Peter Capel, he's doctor down the line. He, you know, he gets an electric guitar. I go through that whole phase. <laughs> I mean, I wonder, it's I imagine. Years. Yeah. And then, of course, Patrick Trousson played via uh, flute, flute, didn't he? Yeah. The Doctor's always just had an element of being quite musical, I guess.
1: That's true, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at my notes seeing what's best to go to next. Oh, we'll go straight to the gas mask kid. Do you think he's actually scary? Do you think he's actually what? Scary, the little gas mask kid, the empty child.
0: Um, As a kid, I remember finding him terrifying. Really? There was never episode I saw on... Yeah, it was never episode I saw on repeat, and I thought he was really freaky like this like this little basically faceless kid walking around (laughs) asking for his mummy in that kind of foreboding drone i mean the thing that's really freaky the thing that i think like would have literally had like kids screaming hiding behind srt's was the transformation like like when the doctor like it comes out of his mouth and out of his eyes that is like like, those are actually really good special effects even for yeah. this day, and they hold up and they just, like, make you go... Ugh.
1: No, I did, I wrote that. I wrote the transformation for Richard Wilson, who's the actor who plays the doctor in the, uh, in the hospital. That is scary. The way he just yeah. suddenly changes and he's going, are you my mummy? But he's doing it in such a creepy, um, strange way. To, to, we can briefly touch on the Doctor dances when... Nancy gets locked up. Yeah, and she is next to the soldier who is about to turn into a gas mask dummy. I felt that was more scary because he. I just felt the performance was more creepy. You yeah, don't actually you, see yeah, the transformation. The way he was saying
0: it as if it like. Yeah, he was like trying to hold back like this thing from coming up of his throat and out of his yes. mouth. It was. It's so genuinely really disturbing.
1: Why haven't? They brought that back.
0: Their child. Is it too iconic? Is it too is it?
1: Was I don't that, know.
0: So Moffat has, has not hesitated to bring back the um we I mean I guess it's because within in the context of this story, the only reason they that mon that um I say this with air quotes monster exists <laughs> is because of some faulty nanogenes. Yeah. And by the end of the episode, they're fixed. So I guess. They're not like take... a
1: race, are they?
0: No, no. It would take a coincidentally similar <laughs> situation to occur for a similar monster, again, in air quotes, to appear.
1: Do you reckon Big Finish have done it?
0: I mean, if you look into it, they'll probably <laughs> have found a
1: way. Um, one thing that I did pick on is when Rose is climbing up that rope. Did she not bother looking up to uh, see what the rope was attached to?
0: I guess... <laughs> I mean, Rose kind of says... The Doctor kind of says that like she's a record for getting herself like, into a <laughs> perilous situation.
1: Yeah, he did say that. I think we touched on that last week as well, where, uh, in the last episode where we said, Rose is a really good companion. She doesn't get stuff wrong. But when she does get stuff wrong, she really, really gets stuff wrong.
0: Oh, do you think do you think that Stephen Moffat w- watched our podcast before he wrote The Empty Child?
1: <laughs> I think he did. I think he did. No,
0: I mean I think I guess the only reason I can think is that Rose is just like a very impulsive and more uh, and emotive character where if she wants to help someone she is the deter- touch. she just makes a beeline for it. Yeah. It was a nice it was
1: a nice yeah. thing to see that they um in episode one we mentioned that I said, why on earth did they include the line about her being good at gymnastics? And now we know, so she could hold on to that rope over the skies of London for so long.
0: God knows how long. Yeah, (laughs) Um, Is Rose traveling... Sorry, go on. Because she will have needed to hold on to that rope for long enough for her to float so far into London. um, And she would have clung on as bomber planes flew past her. (laughs) And for long enough for Captain Jack to both see her, get to yeah. his ship, and pick her up in the tractor beam—that was a
1: good arm strength, upper arm strength. Oh yeah, uh, we touched on him there. We can get into it. Captain Jack Harkness. How good is it to see him?
0: He just like obviously on every journey, um, adventure that the Doctor and their companion goes on, they always meet kind of someone, say, be it like Charles Dickens, or Adam. A, a tree person <laughs> um, who kind of becomes a temporary companion. And...
1: None of them will ever be as good as Adam Mitchell.
0: No. Well, obviously not, but that goes without <laughs> saying. And while while John Barrowman as Captain Jack is not an Adam Mitchell, and <laughs> we, we have to put that aside, he'll always be as second to Adam Mitchell. Um, but that aside, he just, and even amongst those um, kind of temporary companions, he s- just stands out so much. Like he's so just effortlessly, effortlessly charismatic and yeah. charming and memorable. Like you understand why, you know, Rose is wooed by him so easily. Does Rose and, go around
1: just to pick up dudes? That's all she's done for the last few episodes.
0: I mean, you know, like, I, I don't imagine that's the reason. Captain that Jack, along, but...
1: Adam. um, Who was before Adam? I feel, what was that? Was someone before Adam? Her dad fancies it for a little bit.
0: Oh, don't go there. <laughs> don't go there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but this was a point in there, where I thought, what, what about Mickey? And they mention Mickey. 'Cause her thoughts oh, yeah. is, I yeah. have a boyfriend back home, but nothing serious.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean I feel like I guess that Mickey for Rose is something that just like she associates with as part of her old life, part of her safe life in London. And I guess she's just been so caught up in travelling with a doctor that she's very willing to just put that behind her, Mickey at yeah. all. No,
1: definitely, yeah. yeah. Um this is the. I think it's the only... It is the only time where we see Jack and he has a spaceship. Oh, uh, yeah. What did you think of that? Obviously, it's immensely phallic-shaped. Phallic, it looks like a big penis in you the think sky. so? Yeah, well, I watched The Confidential and they went through a number of designs and Stephen Moffat just went, it needs to look like a penis. Did he
0: actually say <laughs> we that? We didn't say that, in but that's, that, that's,
1: that's what, that, that was what he implied. I think he might have said a more PG version, but the the, the thing was... That Captain Jack oozes sex. He is yeah. the sexiest man alive. So cross the yeah. spaceship. And I guess that it's and kind of that contrast
0: guy. of how the Doctor travels around in this cute little, you know, police box, yeah. and Captain Jack always oh, has this suave, curvature spaceship. Yeah, well, I've got a time. quote
1: here from, um, from Moffat about um, Jack and the Doctor's relationship. He said, the subtext... Mm of this show is that the Doctor is hopelessly in love with Rose and trying to impress her. And then this younger, better-looking guy with a bigger gun turns up and he's so angry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you kind of... So they kind of do... That's interesting. That's the first confirmation I've heard that the Ninth Doctor is in love with Rose. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what I noticed. And this is the only episode as well where I've sort of seen it. The scene where... Are we, I think we're, we may be going into the Doctor Dances a little bit, but it doesn't matter, Um where she asks him to dance, and I wrote down a, something he says. What is it he says? She says, show me your moves, and he goes, Rose, I'm trying to resonate concrete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, he really I mean, he clearly wants he to, but a, he's like, I'm a bit unsure yeah. about this.
0: Hmm. I mean, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's, ve- it's very endearing. And obviously, the whole conversation about him dancing and if he's got the moves is yeah. very. You know, yeah, you can read they're it. Laying much, it on right, pretty yeah. thick. Yeah. Um,
1: I really like to see where the doctor turns up at the meal with all the kids. Mm. I thought that was really good because no, yeah. I I haven't seen yeah, this episode in a while. Sorry, that. go on.
0: Go on, go on. Sorry, right, yeah, I kind of love that as a concept and kind of. The Doctor kind of says, like, it's a, it himself is a brilliant concept of, like, you know, all these street kids just sneaking in during bomb raids to eat food. I, I wonder if that's based off something real or if Moffat um, thought of it himself. But it is a very, like, <clears throat> cute concept. And you could almost have a whole little film or story about that yeah. by itself. Because, it, like, the Doctor said, he doesn't know if it's... Um, Marxism in practice or a West End musical, probably yeah. both.
1: Yeah, well, I know that Moffat has said as well, he says, you know you've come up with a good idea for Doctor Who when you think, well, that's that film script done in 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, well, in this case, it is 90 minutes. It's basically yeah. a feature film.
1: Yeah, No. definitely, yeah. I really like that scene, though, because I like the way he, he... We don't see him interact with kids in the series until this point. It's all... Um. Late teenagers and women in their like 30s and forties. Is this really? Is this
0: the first time is, is this the first and only time we see a ninth doctor interact with kids?
1: Hmm, I think it might be, yeah.
0: Has, I
1: think Boomtown we don't see any, definitely don't see any in the last two episodes. Yeah, it is, yeah.
0: That's that's interesting. <laughs> I haven't thought because to me, I think it's kind of very important that an institution as popular as Doctor Who should kind of be very wary of its large audience of children and the Doctor as a character should be kind of, you know, a role model for children and kind of... So I I do find it interesting that within this series of the show he only interacts with kids that one time.
1: No, Yeah, I know. So on Confidential, um, Eccleston said, he said it's good to have the kids in because it sort of reminds everybody who they're making the show for. Yeah. So even though it's only the one time, it's obviously something that maybe Eccleston feels that there should have been more of. It's also in that same scene that we realise... Sorry, go on.
0: No, no, you finish your point.
1: I was going to say, it's also in the same scene that we realise the Doctor cannot draw because he draws a horrible drawing of the spaceship (laughs) he's looking for. He literally just draws really? a cylinder with some scribbles on it. He goes, has anyone seen this?
0: <laughs> but the thing is, like, the way that Nancy reacts, like, she knows <laughs> what it is. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, blimey. I recognise that round thing with lines through it.
1: Re- I recognise that can of beans you've just drawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Perhaps yeah. in Moffat's mind, you imagine the Doctor being a bit of a better... Artist,
1: and what they just let Chris improv on the day. Like, go, Chris, pen. Draw that, draw that thing that like you haven't seen yet because the VFX shots aren't ready. But draw something that could look <laughs> like it could be in the show. Off you go and
0: action. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, the bit when Nancy tells the doctor to go and see the doctor. I wonder mm-hmm. if audiences into because I believe there is another mention in this series. I think we've gone past it where there is someone tells the Doctor to go and see the Doctor or a mysterious man who isn't named. I wonder if at any point watching this first series, people thought this was going to be a multi-Doctor episode.
0: Perhaps, yeah. I mean, Moffat does strike me as the type who wouldn't f- be afraid to kind of dangle keys like that.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Go and see the Doctor. I mean,
0: you know, <laughs> Maybe all along, Moffat, Moffat was on the mission to one day be showrunner. So <laughs> I hope he gets that job. That'd be nice for him. Yeah, I mean, I know that I, I, there are episodes that I like more than this, but this episode kind of really is kind of, and his story really is kind of like quintessential Doctor Who, what the show should be. Well, these so, two
1: episodes are Eccleston's yeah. favourite episodes of his Doctor.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that. Um,
1: do you have any insight into why he... Uh, I likes, think he, likes he, to really, to so he really liked Moffitt's I think we might have touched on this before, but it doesn't matter. Um, he really liked Moffitt's writing. He said, Russell really understood Rose and the character of Rose and what Rose was about was really clear, but he didn't feel that the Doctor got the same amount of backstory and presence in the series, or the same drive from the writer as Rose... He sort of felt the doctor yeah, was maybe yeah. taken even though the doctor in some ways is the second character in the series. But that said, yeah. you, you as an actor, I imagine you want the uh, you want the story. But when he said when he read this and he worked with Stephen, he said it was really clear what Stephen wanted from him.
0: Mm, absolutely. So he feels I think like he was able to is... give
1: like his best performance throughout these two episodes.
0: Yeah. And I think that kind of is somewhat reflective of kind of both, you know. Um, contrasting Moffat and Davis's writers, I think yeah. while this isn't this isn't rule the whole time, generally thinking back to both of their tenures, um, Davis always did seem a bit more interested in the companions than the Doctor, and yeah. Moffat always seemed a bit more interested in the Doctor and the companions.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. I definitely agree. There's some great dialogue in this epi- in these two episodes, though, right? I really like the line where Richard Wilson says, "It just says, don't touch the flesh." And that in itself is pretty creepy to say. Don't touch their flesh.
0: Mm, absolutely. The doctor and, uh, gets a few good I did notice. Well. Um, we also they also managed to work in for the first time the phrase Doctor Who in conversation. Yes,
1: yes, I noticed that as well. I wasn't sure if it was the first time, but it is, isn't it?
0: Yeah, this is. And to be honest, as far as working in the phrase Doctor Who, um, very often they work it in in a way that can kind of feel a little bit cheesy a bit. I uh, see what we did there. Clara. yeah. Yeah. I remember and, watching... with oh, this sorry, go. I feel I just I feel like in this instance um the way they worked into conversation kind of made sense. Like Rose just having a bit of a go at the doctor for not having a name and always going by doctor like doctor who it was a moment of frustration it wasn't uh, you know, it wasn't some kind of big revelation or yeah. big question or anything. It was just kind of this one frustrating for a moment from Rose. And it, it kind of worked.
1: No, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I know it gets used a lot with when Moffat actually does take over. I think in Series 7, I remember like sitting up after like four episodes episodes and going, someone has said this every episode of the last series. <laughs> I know,
0: of course, in, was it Series six where um there's the whole thing with the question. Oh
1: uh, yeah, yeah. And um, the And lo- the question
0: is it... Doctor Who, yeah. Yeah. I mean basically Matt Smith's whole arc centres around the title of the show. Doctor Who <laughs> as a uh, phrase. Yes.
1: I I realise I also watching this, Harry, I think I owe you an apology for the very first episode we did you do. In that first episode we talked about the doctor's costume and you said is his coat based on a on a on a World War 2 um uh, like World War 2 coat that people wore. And I think you said submarine or German commander and I said oh no no it's just a leather jacket. In this episode we find out that the leather jacket he's wearing is actually a U-boat captain's jacket. So you were right mm-hmm. and I was wrong. Yeah, I
0: said I've, I've, uh, I thought historical, but I just kind of took your word for it because you generally are the one who knows more behind-the-scenes stuff.
1: <laughs> so when, when Jack says you two couldn't be wearing a more inappropriate outfit, he's right. One of us wearing a mm. Union Jack T-shirt and he was dressed up as a German.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> uh, They made a quite a big point about the fact Rose was wearing a Union Jack T-shirt. Yeah, they did quite a bit,
1: didn't they? I was like, how many people are really going to notice that?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean... It's funny because they made the whole thing of it being out of place and her like sticking out in a bomb raid wearing a Union Jack, mm. but you never actually see anyone from the World War Two era like draw attention to it and being like that's a bit of a funny shirt you got on. Yeah,
1: or oh, why is he dressed up as a Nazi? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
0: Um, um,
1: What do you think to the VFX shots throughout these two episodes then?
0: Um, I mean. I'm gonna take a guess and say that this was the this was the story if it got the biggest budget.
1: Yeah, I think it because might be. Oh well no the biggest budget was episode, it, um, episode two. That was the one with the biggest budget.
0: Oh, what was it? Um the like of the world. together probably had a collectively. Maybe so yes. like it felt like a more expensive episode.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Yeah.
0: Because in mm. addition to kind of these big kind of CG shots of World War Two London and bombers flying by and stuff. There was also like a lot of different locations.
1: No, definitely, yeah. There's indoor houses, indoor of a shed, there's a the TARDIS, the there's Jack, yeah, there's jack shit. there's the outside of Jack shit, there's big benders of Lutz guys. Of London at night. There was I, mean, I a think lot Big going Man,
0: on. was Big Ben CG, or was that a model? Uh, I'm not
1: 100 percent sure, but all I do know is that up to this point, there was over 1,300 visual effect shots for the whole series. Oh, I'm not sure what it would be now. I imagine it would be higher. I would imagine in some shows, like maybe like your big Game of Thrones and stuff like that, they would have 1,300 VFX shots in one episode. Oh,
0: yeah, like. Game of Thrones like episodes have like the same budget as blockbuster movies
1: it's ridiculous isn't it it's crazy
0: um yeah
1: so do you want to move on to the Doctor Dances um yeah cool so the Doctor Dances oh I know know, I'm gonna gonna stop us right there because as always it's tradition now it's time for the quiz
0: you you not me I hate being patient Patience is for winners. Ooh, we're having a quiz. We're having a quiz again.
1: I'm going to quiz you three questions all about the Empty Child episode. Are you ready?
0: How many will I
1: get wrong? Let's go. <laughs> what colour is universally recognised as the colour of danger? Red. No, mauve. Really? Yeah, at the start of the episode where before the opening before the um, opening credits the, the Rose says where are we going now and the doctor goes it's mauve and she goes what's mauve and he goes it's a universal sim- it's a universal colour of red uh, of danger and she goes what about red and he goes no that's only uh, that's only humans I can't
0: believe you missed that one uh, <sighs> uh, GCSE English lied to me
1: <laughs> what is the name of the man who is annoyed by the air raid siren in the middle of the night
0: name of the man.
1: Yeah, the, 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 it's also the house where Nancy steals the food from. You know, you see them at the start of the episode with ah, the Doctor looking over the wall.
0: I want to say Harold.
1: Oh, it's Arthur. Ah! Oh, see if you can get this one right. What actually was the ship that, that Jack tried to sell the Doctor? What was that ship actually?
0: It was a war ambulance.
1: Yay! You got one out of three.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got the one that was a plot point right.
1: <laughs> so let's do the Doctor Dances.
0: The episode starts. I mean, I, Sorry, go I feel like I need to defend myself for that, which <laughs> is that um, the first half of that episode I watched in bed and then fell asleep. Like, and then I finished it the next day. So you know, if my memory's a little hazy, I was like basically snoozing through that first half it's okay I can still talk about it I watched it before maybe you should (laughs) take
1: podcasting more seriously anyway the Doctor Doctor Who watches
0: on podcasts we watch it half asleep (laughs) that's our hook that's the uh, thing we bring to it that no one else does no one else watches Doctor Who as they're dozing off and only remembers like patches
1: the Doctor Dances opens with the classic line of go to your room I completely forgot about that it's quite weird seeing the Doctor say that
0: mm I mean, it's it's kind of a funny solution and it's kind of not something they ever kind of bring back in the episode but no. I, it works it works and kind of, I like his reaction to actually working which is yeah. God oh, I'm glad that works that've been terrible last words yeah I, I was at that point that
1: I sort of realized oh, I really get why Christopher Eccleston customers really like these episodes because they are fun episodes
0: yeah well, now he is having like so much I mean, I don't know if it's just his great acting, but he seems feels like he's having so much fun on set, especially during the Doctor dances. No, definitely. Um,
1: one thing that I picked up on that I, it stood out to me quite a lot was set your alarm for volcano day. Now, oh yeah, the Pompeii he, references. Yeah, because he mentions Pompeii, and then isn't the start of the Fires of Pompeii episode the Doctor says, and it's volcano day, doesn't he?
0: He might do, yeah.
1: I, feel like I imagine that's a that. deliberate callback. Yeah, it must be, yeah. Um, I'm glad I did the quiz when I did, otherwise, I would have given the answer away here. The character of Arthur, is he gay?
0: Um, no. I think the suggestion when Nancy said this. I think the suggestion was that he was doing some kind of criminal activity with, like, the which was why he had, like, the wire cutters and such. Well, the only reason I ask is because I, she says everyone thinks
1: your missus must have been messing around with the shopkeeper, but in fact, you're the one who's been messing around with the shopkeeper.
0: I don't think she says he's been messing around with the shopkeeper, just that he's been messing around, oh, I think.
1: I'm going to find it. I disagree with you. We're going to do some... The way I remember research. it is that she, she, she The, is the first so messing around. This is the first fight we've had. Oh. Nine, nine ten episodes in is our first disagreement. <laughs> mm.
0: the I mean, if you don't count the, uh, if you don't count the jacket. Oh uh, yeah, well that that was a
1: disagreement because it didn't know I was wrong. <laughs> mm. Where oh, now you're going to be wrong again? Be wrong. <laughs> where is it? I'm scanning through the episode. Here it is. One second. You just talk and keep him busy, Harry. While I listen to this,
0: um, uh, so uh, that uh, that weather we're having, um, sure is nice, right, you guys, um, uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, I, uh,
1: here we go, here we go. She says, oh, brilliant. she says, oh, and the torch don't look like that, Mister Lloyd. Hang on, I'm reading the subtitles. I know you've got plenty of tools in here. I've been watching this house for ages. Uh, what she say next? And I like, and I'd like another look around your kitchen cupboards. I was in a hurry the first time. I went to see if I want to see if I missed anything. Uh, the food on this table—it's an awful lot of food, isn't it, Mister Lloyd? A lot more than any on anyone else's table. Half the street thinks your missus must be messing about with Mister Havstoke, the butcher. What's the next line? But she's not, is she? Oh, here we go. You are. Oh, so what does that mean?
0: I think it's... The... And,
1: then, and then he stands up and wipes the sweat from his own brow. So I'm saying it... I read it he's very gay.
0: doing something criminal to get more money. Nah, he's gay. Is he? He is now, I've said but so. How but is there's anything wrong with having... being gay, but this is... But yeah, but I, I, I how know. would I end up with him having more money to put food on the table?
1: Well, maybe I have wrong, but I imagine that he was doing favors for the butcher that only another man would—he would want another man to do. And that therefore he was giving him more money. They were both two closet gays, and in 19 is it nineteen fifties. This is set nineteen forties. Forties. In the nineteen forties, being gay wasn't maybe the most. Uh, well, either the forties or the late
0: thirties wasn't I mean, the but most, Either way, yeah, it, it wasn't the up.
1: most accepted thing. So I maybe imagine that by coming out to each other who's...
0: I think that's weird though because it'd be weird for them like in 2005 to present the character of Arthur as a kind of not an, as an antagonistic character as an obstacle and in a negative light if I, I'm not convinced I'm not convinced okay we well, like we'll skip, something... we'll
1: skip over Arthur and what about Jack because now what? in the show now Jack is a gay character
0: Or at least bisexual. He's bi. I think he's bi. Does not really... At least. Well, probably more than bi. Um, (laughs) I I imagine that uh, he'd be classed as pansexual because it's been heavily implied that, you know, he's off all over with all kinds of different... um, Well, Mm. I don't know if there's... I imagine in the far future when we make contact with aliens, they'll have a phrase for people... Who are into other alien races? Yeah,
1: you're right there. Um, I was going to say we don't actually see any um, other sexual callings from Jack apart from apart from Rose. But you're right; he's mentioned that he goes off with aliens, but we don't see him attracted to other men in this episode. I don't think he smacks that other guy on the bum, but I think that's just banter, isn't it? Uh, I don't
0: know. I think he could. <laughs> I don't know. He just, doesn't he tap that guy's um, bum. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, but doesn't he just do that like as a thing? Ah, I don't know. I think he might be into I don't know. <laughs> that said, there is clearly I mean, a Jack, match. Oh, sorry, I mean, Jack... on. Jack's kind of presented as a character who, you know, if the opportunity arises, he's not going to shy away.
1: <laughs> That's very true. That's true.
0: Um, that said,
1: there is very clearly a big matcher match between the Doctor and Jack, isn't there, when it comes to the Sonic Screwdrivers and the Sonic Blaster. Absolutely
0: absolutely i mean yeah kind of even just comparing the size of their two fa- of their two sonic devices
1: yes that's something that's done again in the data Doctor, isn't it when um 10 meets 11
0: yeah my a fan of that one <laughs> yeah. my sonic device is bigger than, than yours your sonic
1: device. um i'm just do, 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 do. Yeah, so we already touched on the fact that the guy turning into the gas mask dummy is, in this episode, is more scary than it is when Richard Wilson does it, because it, like you said, it looks like he's gagging, it looks like he's trying not to have that um, cry Is this the first time as well we see a reference to the Doctor and fruit?
0: I think so, yeah, with the uh, banana um, groves of uh, what's it called?
1: I can't remember, but he, he's like doesn't drop the banana, it's a good source of potassium.
0: Mm. Bananas are good.
1: And doesn't the 10th Doctor have a fruit? I know he has pears,
0: which is a deleted scene. He doesn't like pears in a deleted scene.
1: Yeah. And doesn't Matt Smith, he doesn't like pears either, does he? No, I
0: don't think so. Or knows carrot. I, I know he didn't like carrots.
1: He doesn't, like, he doesn't like pears either. Oh, is it apples? Apples. He doesn't like apples. It's apples? That's it, yeah. From uh, the 11th hour where and he doctor spits them
0: like, uh, So the Doctor does like bananas and he doesn't like apples or pears.
1: He's <laughs> <laughs> an easygoing guy. Those are really all the notes I've got on
0: the Doctor Dancers. Do you have anything else to say about them? Um, I mean, um, we. I feel like we have to talk about the fact that this is the f- first episode where... Everybody lives. Ah, yes. Do you know what the
1: end of this episode really caught me off guard? I know we spoke last week to the listeners; it was only yesterday for us about Father's Day and how the ending of that caught us. But this one, unexpectedly, I was getting quite welled up towards the end of this.
0: Yeah, it's kind of especially the part where all the um all the infected people are calling for their mummy, and you kind of you can see like. Nancy is just kind of breaking down by just kind yeah. of the weight of it all and almost the responsibility of it all and that's a very loaded moment and then for right afterwards to have such a satisfying um, conclusion which is so <laughs> rare for this show so far for I you to think, have such an overwhelmingly uplifting finale yeah,
1: I think looking back through most episodes we've talked about from series one most of them have ended with me going did the Doctor kill that person? Mm. Do you think they were deliberately set up so that in this episode he could have that moment of joy that everybody lived? Cassandra died um, Gwen died when the Gelf killed her Mm. Um, A lot of
0: politicians died. A lot of
1: politicians died who else has died? Does Adam? Uh, Adam? Or Adam dies in the end? Go back to um, our, our previous episodes to hear the weird history of Adam Mitchell. You will be disappointed. Um, who else dies? What's episode? Oh no, yeah, you are right. And then it's Dalek. Uh, oh, few I'll, I'll also find Dalek. Yeah. Um, and then what do we have after Dalek? The Long Game. A lot of people die in the Long Game. Yeah. yeah.
0: Adult. Yeah, this, this is and Father's Day, of course. Pete dies. Pete dies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is the this is yeah, this is the first episode where everybody lives, and <laughs> I, I feel like I do know that with series two at least, and I imagine it's the same for all of the series that Russell would kind of order the episode, like decide the order of the episodes after they. Um, were all written or like yeah. after the first draft of each one depending on like what he thought of each one and the kind of how they'd flow together yeah. and he always felt and I think the reason that Moffat's episodes always appear when they do is because they're always so good that he always wanted to save them for later yeah yeah. the, the last note so
1: I've I got on of, this
0: within,
1: pardon? no go on go on
0: I imagine that with the with it ending the way it did, um, I imagine it was kind of in a redraft after uh, Moffat knew where it mm. fitted into the story over yeah, into yeah. the series overall. He added in that just this once everybody lives. Yeah, that's perhaps, all conjecture, but that's yeah, how I yeah. imagine it would have happened.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. The last note I've got on this, and it's just in big letters at the ep- at the bottom. I just wrote beautiful. I really thought these two episodes were some of the best ones we've seen, especially at the end. Yeah. Which lo- it- yeah
0: it's a lovely ending of just the Doctrine Rose just dancing in the TARDIS yeah. it's just it's such a lovely image and yeah. just a, it just puts a smile on your face it's so kind of just wholesome and uplifting yeah. and cheery well, yeah. if we, if we and the fact get- that they even get to save Captain Jack's life yeah
1: if we could go a bit behind the scenes I might destroy that image slightly of how lovely everything is because by this point, it had already been announced that Eccleston would be leaving the series and David Tennant would be taking over the role. Really? Yeah, it, I think it was announced um, after Dalek got after Long Game. Oh, okay. Yeah, so by this point, audiences already know Eccleston's on his way out at the end of this series, and that David Tennant will be taking over.
0: That that, that really does add a tinge of sadness to it because I imagine. <laughs> That first half of the series, I imagine, are loads of people who would have really been won over by Eccleson. So to find out that he'd be leaving, what feels like so soon, must have yeah. Well, it is, isn't it? It's and only... especially after an episode that was so good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. that's rough.
1: No, definitely. Cool. So poor old Eccleson, Well, at least he's coming back for those amazing Adam oh. Mitchell stories. What we're getting from Big Finish. Go on.
0: Oh yeah. Um. I have a question about uh, Captain Jack. I don't know if you'll know it behind the scenes. Who created Ma- uh, um, Captain Jack? Did Moffat, Moffat create him? Yeah, or... I think
1: it's Moffat, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So was it a thing that Moffat created him and then Russell T. Davis just liked him so much he put him in the rest of the series?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good point, though. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I have no idea.
0: I hate
1: being patient Patience is for women Okay Harry So was you paying more attention To the Doctor Dances than you was To the Empty Child
0: Well seeing as I wasn't About to fall asleep Let's hope so
1: So let's hope you get on this second quiz In one episode How well did you do out of three on this one What is the empty child's real name? Not the actor's name, the character's real name. Uh,
0: Jamie. Yes! Yes! (laughs) I almost said Jacob.
1: What century is Jack's blaster from? 52nd? (gasps) Oh, 51st!
0: Oh, that's frustrating. <laughs> so close. Oh, that's frustrating. Not going to give me a point there. What is... Uh,
1: Richard Wilson, he plays a doctor, but what is his doctor's surname? He's known as Doctor Someone.
0: Ah. Uh, uh, is it Montgomery?
1: Constantine.
0: Ah. Oh. One out of
1: three again, Harry. We're so close with the blaster question. I couldn't believe it. I I to get that it.
0: one, that one that one's gonna oh. <laughs> Is Jack gonna get... from the fifty second century?
1: No, he's a time agent, isn't he? So I imagine he travelled there with his vortex manipulator.
0: Ah, oh. I, I, I swear there. I heard the mention of the fifty-second century. I must have just misheard. Oh. <laughs> no. Oh dang it. So all in dang all, it.
1: how would you um recommend these on your scale? Of we'll do both of them, we'll do the empty channel, So, your scale from why won't you just die to everybody lives, Where where is this coming in? Uh, oh,
0: yeah, sorry, oh, sorry,
1: a, uh, sorry, on your scale, it's a, of, it's a fantastic, yeah,
0: these could be fantastic episodes of Doctor Who,
1: both of them These
0: could be yeah as a package I'd say so
1: yeah I don't think you can split them can you it's not like the aliens of London like I split those up I think these two do come together
0: yeah especially because the first they're doing such different things kind of the first one is much more foreboding and tense and building up everything up and you know and then the second one is the much more pacier conclusion
1: oh no definitely yeah and then
0: has that uplifting finale for me they have to be enjoyed as a whole
1: oh no I totally agree Okay, then. So let's move on to recommendations.
0: People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non linear, non subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. What are you recommending this Woo! week, Harry? Oh, I'm going first. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this one is a bit uh, more out there. My last two recommendations have had. Um, ties, quite explicit ties to Doctor Who yes. this is a show which I watched just this week um, it was 8 hour long episodes but I binged it all in a day um, <laughs> oh, no. and it's on Netflix it's called Giri Hadji oh,
1: okay. have you heard of it? no I haven't heard of it, no
0: great, that means I can talk more about it it is, <laughs> I believe, a British and Japanese collaboration
1: All right. and so the
0: show um, some of it is english actors and filmed in london some of it is japanese actors and filmed in uh kind of in and around tokyo and it's about this um tokyo police detective mm-hmm. and a um uh the nephew of the of one of the heads of the yakuza families which is kind of the japanese uh, the the easiest way to explain it is kind of like a Japanese mafia. Yeah. Um, but the nephew of one of the heads of the Yakuza is uh, killed yeah. um, by who is suspected to be the detective's brother. Oh. And to solve the case, he has to go to um, London to track down his brother. And if he doesn't, a potential kind of war amongst mm-hmm. different Yakuza families could break out my goodness um it's incredibly well made it's incredibly well written even with some kind of foreign language shows because of the subtitles it's hard to tell how good the actors are but yeah. with this show you can really tell that all of the cast oh, both great american and Jap- no i mean both british and japanese are really good um yeah it's surprisingly funny um there are some really moving parts it looks incredible like there's this one animated sequence in the first episode there's a sequence in the final episode i won't give away um but it's so good um if it's on it's on netflix i'd highly recommend anyone with netflix to give it a good watch um if you're like me you'll spend a whole day just binging it. <laughs> um it's it's brilliant. Oh, it's cool, awesome. So good.
1: Cool. Well, I'm going to recommend something completely different. I'm going to recommend a YouTube channel called Robbie oh. Knox.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Robbie Knox. What does is, he do? I've heard of he, him. He has he's um I'm not sure how many subscribers he's got at the moment. He doesn't have a lot. He's got more than us. He's got well into the thousands and thousands but it's not that much compared to what some other YouTubers have basically I think he's 42 and he just does little fun videos about his life about he'll do a bit the reason I started watching him as a little backstory is I've currently moved into a flat in university and obviously we don't have a garden and I miss being able to go into the garden and go for walks in the countryside like where I used to live because I now live in a city so I've been watching him and he basically goes into his garden and just does gardening. He'll grow potatoes, grow carrots. So he does competitions where you can grow your own potatoes at home and like compare them to his and see who's got the best potato. It sounds boring, but this guy is so entertaining and dry, and mm. just so, like you feel He's like British or American. He's British. He's British. Um, he, some of you might know him. He used to um, co-present or do segments on Soccer AM, the Sky um, Breakfast Sports Program. Used to work on there. And uh, if that's not your type of scene, that sort of stuff, I would recommend listening to him on the Jack Mate Happy Hour podcast where he um uh, he has some, oh, yeah, works with Jack Mate. Yeah, he does he has some really interesting stories on there from his days working with TV, taking um Vernon K out drinking, interacting with Oasis, um, some of his oh. wedding stories, some really good, funny stories that you just wouldn't believe. They're really great. I definitely recommend just going over listen to what he's got to say
0: hey sounds great i didn't realize we we could uh recommend youtubers
1: (laughs) yeah we can now
0: that uh that broads my horizons for recommendations i can recommend something that isn't a tv series
1: awesome sauce we can do that you can do that next time so that brings us to the end of episode nine where we reviewed episode nine and ten the end child and the doctor dances next time we will be reviewing what
0: harry boomtown by russell t davis that's right so tune there you uh, yeah, did you did you hear it yes i did
1: <laughs> Quite I, do, I do apologize for i did it <laughs> um so tune in next time to listen to that not more hickens but to talk about boomtown so i'll say goodbye goodbye and say bye harry bye-bye oh that one was loud
0: behind